Hi, this is Sam Chamberlain, and welcome to Things to Ponder, the sermon podcast from St. Mary's United Church of Christ in Silver Run, Maryland. Follow along with St. Mary's at stmarysucc.org or on Facebook and Instagram. Wishing you peace and good, my friends. Last two weeks, we have been talking about the experience of setting out on a spiritual journey towards salvation. A couple weeks ago, we started with Jimi Hendrix, and he showed us the brokenness of the systems of this world that we called them Babylon. And last week, we used another British band, the editors, who showed us that Babylon isn't just out there, Babylon is in me. And these two songs together tell a story of salvation. As the editor sang last week, our broken hearts are smashed on the floor. Our brokenness is broken, and we are lifted to new life. We step into new life. The power of Babylon smashed in me and smashed in the world, and the kingdom of God is open to us. And so we pray in spaces like this and every day. We pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done for me and for the world. And there is not a human being on the face of the earth, whether they go to church or not, who would say that message is no good. We're all looking for the powers of this world to be broken and that something new would be built in its place, yes? We're all looking for new life inside ourselves. And this is the great promise of the gospel. It's why people remain fascinated by Jesus. And so with this most wonderful story, this gospel, this good news that has, been, that has been proclaimed in every corner of the world for 2,000 years, I'm still left with this very simple question of why is this so hard? Why is this, this wonderful idea, why is it so hard not just to believe but to do? Anyone who's ever really tried to live out the spiritual life knows that, the, that even our first initial steps seem impossibly difficult. And you know plenty of people who have really, really tried, you know, and they've sort of done the thing. They got baptized, confirmed. They tried and then never seemed to have gotten anywhere at all. Maybe you're feeling that. You're like, you know what? I've tried this church thing and I know I'm supposed to be here, so here I am. But, you know, this is hard. What is that? Why is this so difficult? I mean, Jesus says the whole law breaks down and love God and love your neighbor sounds simple, right? But to do it is excruciating at times. Let's be clear, I don't know about you, but I have no doubts about that story, that Christ is coming to save me and he's coming to save the world. What I do have a lot of doubt about daily is that whether that's ever going to be true for me. And I'm burdened by the fact that I'm supposed to be in some way helping you with that. We all want to move forward. So why is it so hard to move from Babylon to the kingdom of God? What finally occurred to me, I had to get on an airplane to do it. Now, some of you travel more than me, so you know this far more than I do. But, and you'll, you might laugh at my naivete, but nevertheless, this was true for me. I thought about this in the context of flying to a place that I've never been. I remember last year, you remember we took off, the family took off for Disney for a little bit, and it was the first time the kids had ever flown. And so, you know, we put them on a plane in BWI, which of course is this beautiful, picturesque, you know, picture of what the future will be. BWI is just absolutely gorgeous, yes? You put them on the plane, and you sit in the tube for a couple hours, 
And you get out, and what, what once was 30 degrees, now it's 7 degrees and sunny, and there are palm trees. And I remember the kids looking at each other going like, wait, what just happened? I, and it can be disorienting. We get on a plane, we go somewhere else. I, this happened to me when I flew the first time to Portland, Oregon. I left BWI. I flew over the heartland, and if you've flown over the heartland, you know, there's not a lot to look at. Like the window seat flying over the middle of the country is not the best spot to be. It's just a lot of farm, which I love, but it's just a lot of farm. Flew over the heartland, and then we get over the mountains, which were all clouded up, so I couldn't see anything much to my, I was bummed out about that. And next thing I know, the skies finally open up, and it is nothing but evergreen trees and gray skies and if you'll permit me, it was a whole lot of marijuana dispensary billboards. And I'm going, I'm here, but I ain't from here. And I'm not sure how in the world I'm supposed to do here. And so I'm like, all right, I got to get myself oriented. So one of the things I did is I decided I was going to go to this coffee shop. I'm like, you know what's the same everywhere? It's coffee. Coffee I could do. So I step into this coffee shop, and I just want to get some caffeine in me, and I just want to enjoy a vibe for a little bit. And I'm just watching, and I'm people watching. You all have done, and I'm people watching Portland. And I'm telling you, everybody comes into the coffee shop with their little pocket dog. And I'm like, you take your animals everywhere? If I brought my animals, I'd get kicked out of here in, in two seconds. I can't bring a 260-pound pig. Everybody's got their little pocket dog, and they're walking them, and they've all got sweaters on. I've never bought a sweater for an animal in my life. Some of you, this is your reality. I'm not here to jinx it. I'm like, this is not where I am from. And we haven't even gotten to what they were doing at the dispensary just a couple of doors down. This is completely new to me. And if I decided, I, I was only there for a couple days. If I decided I was going to live there, it had taken me some time. When we leave the old life, sometimes it's as if we expect that God, in all of God's infinite wisdom and power, will just enable me to slide right into a new way of living. Here's your citizenship card for the kingdom of God. Here's your driver's license. Get after it. Friends, that's not how it works. We've never been promised that, but sometimes that's what we think is going to happen. When we're leaving Babylon, this idea, these principles that are defined by idolatry and injustice, when we're leaving Babylon, we aren't just leaving sort of a set of moral principles. We're leaving it all behind. We're leaving a language. We're leaving a culture. We're leaving traditions, norms, expectations. We're saying goodbye to all of that, so that we can, yes, step into something better, but it is something completely, completely different. And that is hard. It's just hard. And Gloria, by you too, is the song of a new Christian who has left Babylon only to discover that the kingdom of God is not so easy to live into. The song begins, I try to sing this song. I try to stand up, but I can't find my feet. I try, I try to speak up. Three actions, singing, standing, speaking. It sounds like worship, yes? It sounds like what we do in church. We stand, we sing, we speak. And if anybody is good at those things, it is Bono. There is no better singer. There is no better speaker. There is nobody, I, I was watching a live video of this. Nobody puts on a better performance 
than Bono. I mean, he's a little older now, so maybe Taylor Swift's got him in this department. But you, you take my meeting, yes? Nobody does this better. But Bono bemoans the fact that he can't do any of this. And so he's like, well, I'm trying to sing a song. Well, the question for us is, what song is he trying to sing? Well, the only song that we're given here is in Latin, a completely different language, a language that most of us don't know and can't pronounce. Some of us come from some traditions. We can get by with it a little bit, but most of us are like, you know what? Nobody in the world has spoken Latin for hundreds, hundreds of years. And so he's coming to this language he can't speak, to a song he doesn't know, He doesn't yet know how to sing and doesn't have the strength to know what to do. And this is the experience of every new believer in Christ. In an interview with Musician Magazine in 1983, Bono reflected on this song. He said, I had this feeling of everything waiting on me and I was just naked, nothing to offer. The first thing that he comes up against in the new life of faith is his utter weakness. And this is the utterly predictable first steps of faith. Why is faith so hard? Because it's a completely different world. And when faced with everything so new and different, it's easy just to say, I can't do this. I had that experience too when I was in Portland. Jenny will tell you, I wasn't there long before. I said, I can't do, I need to come home. I miss home. And how many of us have tried walking that way of faith and saying, wait a second, I'm a little too far out of my comfort zone. What Bono sings, St. Paul writes, I do not understand my own actions, he writes. I can will what is right. He says, what's going on inside of me wants this new thing, but I cannot do it. Paul says, I can't stand, I can't speak, I can't sing. And if ever there was a committed self-discipline, self-understanding, sort of hardcore 100% believer in all of the world, it must have been St. Paul. And yet Paul says there's this whole other thing that seems to be present in me. It's not just that God is present in me. He's like there's this whole other thing that is working in me and I feel this churning inside of me. What Paul is saying is there's this truth inside of me, but it is not yet a reality. Do you understand what I'm saying? There is a truth inside of me, but it's not reality yet. I am a new creation, but I'm not a new creation yet. And Paul understands himself to be at the center of a spiritual drama. He says, I see in my members... He's saying not in a church. He's saying in my, in my members, in my heart, in my soul, and in my body. I see in my members another law at war with the law of my mind. He says what I, be, what I believe is at war with something deep inside of me. When I want to do good, evil lies close at hand. You been there? Knowing what it is that God is calling you to do and you just can't seem to get there? When we come into the kingdom, we are here, so to speak. We are in this new reality, but we aren't from here yet. Our minds are not ready to think differently. Our hearts aren't yet ready to feel differently. Our souls aren't yet ready to believe differently. And our bodies aren't yet ready to do differently. Yes, we are a new creation. Yes, Christ has broken the power of Babylon and sin and death inside of us. Yes, we have the power, 
but we don't have the practice. And one of our, one of the great 20th century sort of cultural observers of this, C.S. Lewis, wrote in a book called Screw Tape Letters. I don't know if any of you have ever read Screw Tape Letters. It's a wonderful pair. It, so it's a this wonderful book, Lewis writes it from the perspective of a senior devil trying to teach a, a underling devil how to tempt Christians. Beautiful, wonderful book, and it really messes with your head because he says stuff like the enemy, and when he calls him the enemy, he's talking about God because, again, it's written from the perspective of a devil. And so in the screw tape letters, at the very beginning of the book, the, the older, the older uh, uncle, the older devil, screw tape, is bemoaning the fact that this patient, he says, this person, has converted to Christianity. And he says to this underling, he said, you're going to pay for that. Everybody pays for it when, when their patient converts. But then he says, there is no need to despair. All the habits of the patient, both mentally and bodily, are still in our favor. And that line haunts me. I love Jesus. I want to do good in the world. But all, that, all my old habits, all the old ways, both mentally and bodily, are still inside of me. And these two realities, the old self and the new self, push and pull inside of us. And when we cross into the kingdom, we too become the center of a spiritual drama. And like Paul, perhaps we have screamed at some point in our lives, who will rescue me from this body of death? Well, Bono, leaning into the scriptures and the experience of God's people, gets it exactly right. And I use that word carefully. I, I, our rock musicians are wonderful. They don't always get it exactly right. Bono gets this one exactly right. On the backside of all of this, I try, I try, I try. He has one line of prayer. He prays, oh Lord, loosen my lips. And this is a quote straight from Psalm 51. Psalm 51, which of course is the great penitential psalm of the whole scriptures. David has been caught in in adultery with Bathsheba, he's been called out on it, and he pours out this prayer saying, God, I am broken, I am in need of your mercy, it is gorgeous. But at the end of it all, at the heart of it all, David is praying, God, if I am ever going to be who you want me to be, you've got to do the work, I can't do it. David understood this fundamental truth, that, it, that we are saved by God's grace, but we also live by God's grace. When we pray, it is God who enables our prayers. When we love, it is God who enables our love. When we worship, it is God who enables our worship. It's not as if God saves us and then just turns us loose and leaves us and says, all right, you guys should be good now, have at it. No, God continues with us because God is empowering every step of the spiritual life. We are saved by Christ's work and we are saved by Christ's grace but we are also sustained by Christ's work and by Christ's grace. And so, friends, the promise is that God is at work within us, but it's going to take time. God is doing good things in your life, but it's going to take time. What is needed to see that new life up from inside of us and turned into a reality is obedience. And this is what Bono, again, and you too get exactly right. How do I live into this new life? Just keep singing. I don't care if you want to sing. 
I don't care if you feel like singing. This whole song, Gloria, is one extended version of just keep singing. Keep practicing what you know to be true, but is not yet real. The only way we'll ever dissolve the old self and let the new creation emerge is for us to embrace the grind. Day by day, minute by minute, grinding out the practices and the, and the convictions of our faith. And if, you've, if, you've, if you listen to me preach any length of time, you'll know that this is one of my favorite quotes, and I come, back, I come back to it three, four times a year, and I will not apologize for that. It's an ancient saint. His name is Arnobius, and he says, we lift our hands so that our hearts may follow. We lift our hands so that our hearts may follow. We do so that the rest of us will come behind. We live our way into this new creation. We don't feel our way into it. We live our way into it. The key to spiritual growth is constancy. And we're, and we're, we're strengthened by this, by the words of our psalmist. And forgive me, I want to make sure I get this right. The psalmist reminds us in our response of reading today, come, my heart says, seek his face. Your face, Lord, do I seek. Our hearts are still begging us to go after God. Our heart is in good shape. God has got that. Just keep seeking God's faith. Keep seeking Jesus. Don't quit, regardless of how you feel, regardless of what kind of day you're having. Do the things you know that will move you closer to who God has got you to be. This is why I love this story of Jesus. And I won't, we won't spend a lot of time here, but I'll give you something to think about. You can process this as you're going home. This story of Jesus healing. Jesus comes up to the guy. He's a blind man. And I just want to say, I I'm, 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 want to be careful about talking about blindness. Of course, we have a great deal of experience with this. But this is the story that we have today. Jesus is, about, is going to heal this blind man. And so he does it very, very tangibly. It says he takes some saliva and wipes it on his eyes. Jesus clearly didn't have to deal with COVID or germs or anything like that. Wipes the saliva on his eyes and he says, what do you see? And the man says, well, I can see, I can see, I think they're people, but they kind of look like trees. Didn't quite work the first time. Wasn't, the, the miracle wasn't fully complete. It was started, but it wasn't complete. And so what does Jesus do? Does Jesus look at him and say, well, your faith, well, I'm sorry, one and done, that's the, best, that's the best I can do for you. Good luck with your tree people. He says, no, Jesus comes back and works that healing again until the man can see exactly what he needs to see. Jesus comes back and continues the work. And friends, Jesus is coming back to us day by day, minute by minute, and he's coming back and he's continuing to do the work if we would just let Jesus have his way with us. And that's what Gloria is asking of us. Just keep singing. Gloria, in te domine exalte. Just keep singing it. And in this way, and I hope, and I mean this in a certain way, and I hope it strengthens you. In this way, it matters little if we feel like praying. Say your prayers. In the saying of our prayers, God is active in our minds and, and, and it involves our bodies. If you're struggling with prayer, my invitation to you is start saying them out loud. And you're like, my spouse will think I'm weird. Yeah, welcome to the kingdom of God. Say them out loud. Get your body involved. Get your mouth and your tongue and your throat and your lungs 
invested in saying these prayers. Get your whole self moving in the direction, whether you feel like it or not, because in that, Jesus is slowly scraping away the crud of Babylon and letting that new creation come up. When it comes to worship, sing the songs. I don't care if you can sing. I can't sing. I sat down with my family a couple weeks ago. The girls made fun of me because I can't sing in church. It was wonderful. Sing the songs anyway. Love you, girls. Sing the songs. It matters little if we feel like singing the songs. God will work on that. Just keep doing your thing. Serve the poor. Serve others. It doesn't matter if we feel like it. We don't have to judge if they're worthy or any of that. Keep serving the poor. It matters little if you like them or not. God will be active in it. Trust that God is active in the things you do. God, open our lips, open our minds, open our hands. And you know what happens? In Gloria, there's this whole guitar solo thing right in the middle of it. All right? And it's a little chaotic. Go back and listen to it. It's not, it's not Hendrix stringing together these long, you know, sort of lyrical series of notes. It's a little chaotic. It's a little weird. There's a cowbell mixed in there. I mean, we could always use more cowbell, yes. It's, it's surprising and it's weird. But after it emerges out of that, there's a key change. And now Gloria, which is kind of sung in soft and subtle tones at the beginning, is proclaimed proudly and boldly at the end. At the end of this song, having wrestled with themselves, wrestled with their weakness, it seems to me that God has answered the very prayer of you two. There's an ease with which they sing Gloria in te Domine, which means, some of you might have been waiting for this, glory in you, Lord, glory. And if we just keep singing, that will be our song too. If we just keep singing, if we just persevere in those first difficult steps of faith, friends, I'm telling you, God is faithful and he will see this good work through. It's true for you. It's true for us, and it's true for believers everywhere. And the last thing I'll say about it all is that if we would be a place that is serious about watching people grow in Christ, we're going to have to be sp- serious about these kinds of practices, what we might call spiritual formation. We have to create environments for new believers to thrive, to understand their weakness, which we all have, and to support one another in those first difficult steps of faith. And that involves so much. It involves community and relationships, large and small. We need to accompany one another and encourage one another. We can't just say, good luck. We have to be there for one another. Requires practices that will enable us to lift our hands and open our lips when our old selves are pushing back, when our emotions aren't in the same place as our convictions. Which is why this liturgy, you know, sometimes you're like, oh, it's the same liturgy every week. Well, some of it is because we just need to come say our prayers. Somebody just needs to say the prayers. And it involves putting our bodies in motion, slowly and surely, so that we learn the dance that is faith. But God is living and active. The word is living and active in you and in us. We don't ever have to doubt that. When it gets difficult, come back to that. Say, God is active in me. The problem is not God. The problem is, is I just got on a plane and they just dumped me in the kingdom of God and I'm trying to figure out what it looks like to be from here. And friends, God will see that work through. Let us keep singing. No matter what, just keep singing and trust God to bring us to the end. 
Hello, St. Mary's. After a really difficult last week, I hope that this Monday morning recording finds you starting off in a much better week, and uh, certainly our prayers continue to go out for everybody. Wanted to continue what we started last week. We were trying to connect this, the songs that we're talking about in Turntable Gospel with some ancient practices or some older sort of spiritual classics to keep the conversation going. Last week, we looked at the Jesus Prayer, and our spiritual classic for today that we're going to link to Gloria and you 2 yesterday is a small work called The Way of the Pilgrim. Now, if you've been through the Priory with me, then you've heard me talk about this just a little bit. But quick background on it. It is a 19th century Russian spiritual work, and it recounts the narrator's journey as a pilgrim while learning to pray the Jesus Prayer. Now, it it strikes us as a little funny reading it the first time because it does kind of come out of this different cultural context. It's Russian and not Western. But nevertheless, if you spend some time with it, it really begins to open up. It reminds me very much of Pilgrim's Progress, which is a much more sort of well-known um, story in Western Christianity. But nevertheless, and this story begins where we left off yesterday. The very first words of it are, this pilgrim describes himself this way. He says, by the grace of God, I am a Christian, by my deeds, a great sinner, and by my calling, a homeless wanderer of humblest origin, roaming from place to place. His story is our story because this is the paradox of our Christian life. Yes, we are Christians. Yes, we are members of the kingdom of God, fully loved by God, and yet a great sinner, all of us. And we are all of us wanderers, walking in this world that is not our home, and trying to learn how to live into our home, which is the kingdom of God, and yet which is so foreign to us. But this pilgrim happens to go to worship on a particular Sunday. And one of the readings for that Sunday is one of the shortest verses in the Bible from 1 Thessalonians, which says, pray constantly. And so like any good Christian, he wonders, well, how do I do that? And so what we get in the first chapter is that he goes everywhere trying to find answers. And there were many good things to hear, and he got much encouragement about it, but he said he found nothing that actually helped him do this. And so the rest of the story is this long journey to discover how to pray constantly and how to pray well, and he talks to many wise spiritual counsels. Ultimately, he is given the Jesus prayer to pray. And the idea of praying the Jesus prayer, the, the instruction that he gets is that keep the name of Jesus on your lips. Always keep the name and the person of Jesus in front of you. And so he says, and so the counsel he gets is repeat the Jesus prayer softly and slowly. Fight distractions. Be patient and peaceful and repeat frequently. And so he sets out to do this. And he starts, like many of us do, with great zeal. One of my favorite parts of this story is that the first place he goes is to a vegetable garden where he studies and prays regularly. But over time, he says that a great burden came upon me, laziness, boredom, drowsiness, and a cloud of disturbing thoughts. This bothers him. And so he goes to the elder, and the elder says, with great love, says, a war has been declared against you by the world of darkness, a world which finds nothing as terrifying as heartfelt prayer, and therefore tried by all means possible to confuse you and distract you from your purpose of learning how to pray. And friends, this is exactly what we talked about from Romans yesterday. Paul says that there's something that is moving against me in my own soul. Why is this so difficult? 
yes, all the old ways, the old practices, they are they are powerless. They are broken by the power of the cross, but they don't go away so easily. They still are wrapped around our souls. And that's what he writes in the book of Romans chapter 7. He said, for my inner being, I delight in God's law. This is a gift of God. I delight in God's law. But I see another law at work within me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. Yes, all the old ways, all the old practices, yes, they are powerless, broken by the love of Christ shown on the cross, but they don't go away easily. And so he goes to the elder and says, what am I supposed to do about this? And the elder's instruction, it almost makes me laugh. He goes, use your vocal cords. He says, use this ability then, say them out loud. And while fighting distractions, diligently and continuously say, Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on me. He says, don't just try to do it in your head. Put your body into it. Put your lips and your throat and your lungs and your tongue and all of it. Put more of yourself into it. Use that while you do the work of doing your best to fight distractions. In other words, keep grinding away. And so the pilgrim with the big sigh goes away to do this, and then he writes this. For two days it was somewhat difficult. Then it became so easy and pleasant that when I was not saying the prayer, a need arose within me to say it. And I began to say it with much greater ease than I had experienced at the beginning. Later then, he says, do you know what happened? I became so accustomed to the prayer that if for a short while I stopped reciting it, it felt as if something were missing, as though I had lost something. When I would begin reciting the prayer again, I would immediately feel great joy and delight. Do you see what happens here? But ultimately, the new creation that is inside of us comes up and out and starts to change us. He felt this need to say it, and it became very, very easy for him to say this prayer. And it's as if something were missing in his soul. If he wasn't saying it, slowly but surely, his soul is being formed around the kingdom of God and not Babylon and not an old life. And do you see how quickly the old nature melts away and the presence of God's Spirit moving in us when we practice with diligence and perseverance? The old nature's power is broken. All that is needed is practice, patience, encouragement, and steady trust in the slow work of God. And so he goes back to the elder then to tell him again what he's experienced. And the elder says this, says, Praise be to God. This is the natural result of discipline and frequent practice. Do you see with what excellent gifts the lover of mankind has endowed even the sensual nature of man? Your own experience testifies to the kind of feelings which can be experienced without extraordinary grace, even in impure and sinful souls. This is where sort of the Russian can kind of get in the way a little bit because it can sound, you know, oh, you've impure and sinful souls. No, what he's saying is that God is not out here limiting deep faith and spirituality to extraordinarily gifted people. God does not play favorites and say, here are my really spiritual people. The rest of you just got to hang on. No, what the elder is saying here is that all of creation, all of it, including you, is endowed with the very Holy Spirit, with God's own spirit, with God's love, so that even in our imperfections, our brokenness and our wandering, 
we are enabled to experience God in powerful, life-changing ways. Yes, you. And that is good news for us today. And towards the end of the work, the elder says one more thing, which I think is really important for all of us to consider. Because in our society, we are so focused on sinfulness. Our church, the church, is so focused on sinfulness instead of goodness. And the elder counters it with this. He says, if sins are counted with such detail that we have to give an account of all our words, desires, and thoughts, then how much more will our good deeds, no matter how small, be counted in great detail before our loving judge? The elder saying, look, the little things we do, the little moments of perseverance and discipline, the moments that we try with all of our heart to draw close to God, do you think God doesn't notice those things just as much as our weaknesses? Of course God notices them, and all the more. And those, and those good things are doing such good work in our soul. If only we persevere. So friends, know there isn't any quick and easy steps to spiritual growth. And it'd be so much easier to build a church if we just said, here's three simple steps and you'll be right with God. No, there isn't anything quick, but there is a simple path. Those are not the same. There is no quick path, but there is a simple path. It's the little things and the rhythms and the practices that we engage day by day that shape our souls. And so as we said yesterday, we'll say again today, and as the way of the pilgrim has taught us for a, cent for a couple centuries now, grind out the little things. Say your prayers. Need help doing that? Well, that's why here at St. Mary's we have a prayer liturgy. We're giving you simple prayers to say, to say them every day. Say the Lord's Prayer. Say the Jesus Prayer. Read the scriptures. That's why we publish a, 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 a calendar of readings so that you don't have to go flipping around trying to figure out where to go. No, we have scripture readings that we pray every day together. Come to worship. Sing the songs. Serve others in ways large and small as it becomes available to you. And slowly, surely, and positively, we will grow into the new life of Christ that is already inside of us. And we will learn how to live in the kingdom of God. And we will become the new creation that God has already made us to be. And so if you'd like to can talk about this more, please holler at me. Nothing makes gives me more pleasure than talking about people's spiritual journeys. I would love to hear about yours and what you're going through. And to join you, to accompany you in helping you along your spiritual journey as well. But friends, whatever you're going through, I pray that this would be the week that you discover God's goodness in new ways through diligence and perseverance, doing the little things. And I look forward to the reports of what God is doing in your life. So friends, have a much better week than last week, and we look forward to seeing you all soon. Peace and good, y'all.